With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio.
Exactly. We're just going to keep it going. You know, we're going to hit you with that leg drop like Miguel did old girl at the Billboard Awards. If you haven't seen that, Google that. (laughs) (laughs) Man, I've never seen anything like that in my life, man. I mean, no remorse, no regard for human life. Just drop kicks this lady, man. <laughs> and then don't even check on it. Just keep on singing the song. That's some old school five heartbeats. Joe Jackson kind of cannot play right with there. him. Cannot win with him. Cannot coach with him. Can't do it. <laughs> Why the words no before spoken? Oh man, let me introduce the other two thirds of the illustrious three man booth. To my right, I got my man D Wills. Holler at the people. What's up, fellas? It's good to. To be on with you, you know, I'm uh, uh, having a good time here, uh, ready to talk about sports, talk about the NBA. There's a lot to be to be talked about, and uh, just glad, just glad to be with the fellas. Glad to be with the big three. Oh yeah, the big three is in full effect this week, for sure, for sure. Yeah, we we we, we gonna hold it down. We got we got the triple post rolling uh, to round to round out the three man booth. I got my man. 100 grand, CLT Sports, PhD, what's happening, Captain? Wow, winning. I'd like to just just to have it be about me right now. I, uh, I participated in five fantasy leagues this year, four football and one basketball appearances and three championships. That's it. Have a great show. <laughs> Here we go with He's trying to find a way to do that every time. He's not going to let it go. <laughs> Here we well, go with this, brother. You know, honestly, <laughs> I've been very modest throughout my entire fantasy career. You have. You have. Um, I'll give you that. I've been very modest, and, you know, I I just I just needed to be about me this year. So, yeah, I just need to remind you guys, considering you guys were in four of those five leagues. Oh, no, I'm sorry, three of those five leagues. And you know, I I like the listeners to know that too. Um, so yeah, <laughs> great show. Listeners out there, if you uh, have man, hit up this man's Facebook Facebook page and give him some props. <laughs> <laughs> right, he's fishing right now, man. He's the back on the show. Oh <laughs> uh, man, don't 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 tear a rotator cuff patting yourself on the back, PA. Come on, man. <laughs> So I had to have a Tommy John surgery. You pat your back, you pat yourself on the back so much over there. <laughs> Call Doctor James Andrews in here. <laughs> oh man! So we got a slamming show for y'all. This segment of the show we like to call the intro to let them know. This is where we give you a quick rundown of the things we're gonna get into on tonight's show. Uh, first off, doing a funky editorial. We're gonna talk about the conference finals, which are underway. Game two is being played as we speak. Um, game one of the uh, game two of the Western Conference Finals is being played as we speak between the Memphis Grizzlies and the San Antonio Spurs. We also go get into uh, the Indiana Pacers and the Miami Heat, which will tip off tomorrow night. Um, we're gonna give you our thoughts on those two series and how we think those series will play out, and we, we're gonna jump back in to our top ten NBA seasons. You know, it's been a minute, so we got to revisit this and finish this out. We're going to hit you with four through two tonight. All right, so we're going to hit you off with that. Then we're going to get into talking about some more NBA, talking about free agency, 
the draft, the lottery's going on tonight, so the draft will begin to crystallize a little bit more for, for everybody. We can get a better picture of who's going where. Kind of give you our ideas on, on how we feel about this draft as a whole, and we're going to use the five on the black hand side to do that. So that's going to be pretty much the bulk of our show tonight, NBA heavy, as always. And then we got the Resistance Digital Solutions Dog of the Week to close it out. So, again, you're listening to The Real Sports Guys, realsportsguys.com, RSG, Renegade Radio, the livest radio show on the Internet, the realest radio show on the Internet. It's the uh-huh. people's radio. We're going to get into the funky editorial, a little something like this. Fellas, the one thing we need to say. Shall we say it, y'all? Melvin, Jimmy, Coleman, Ryan, say it. Everybody want to get funky one more time. All right. This week's edition of the Funky Editorial, we're just talking about the conference finals. Uh, we're going to start off in the West. Uh, this D Wills. You got Memphis, who is coming off of uh, putting it on OKC after laying it to the Los Angeles Clippers, uh, who fired Vinny the Black today. Um, shout out to Vinny the Black, um, <laughs> a.k.a. Vinny Del Negro. You know, he got the axe today. We'll get into that in a little bit. We talk NBA free agency. But uh, they dispatched the two of the favorites thus far. They have another favorite in their way. A lot of the uh, mainstream media, quote-unquote, experts, are picking Mem- have, have picked Memphis to uh, to be the team that the Miami Heat face in the finals. They're being led by Pau Gasol, who, again, for some re- I mean, not Pau Gasol, Mark Gasol, who, again, for some reason, this is the second year this has happened in a row, defensive player of the year, Mark Gasol was second team all defense. Huh? Yeah, what is that? Oh, that's twice. I don't yeah. understand. I just if you think about believe. it, two of the centers, like the first team had two centers. So in some ways right. you could argue it was really the third team center. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I don't understand the logic of the zoning process. It baffles me. I don't understand it. What's with that? So, they're led by Mark Gasol, Mike Conley, who has really uh, played well this playoffs, and uh, the thuggish, ruggish Zebo. Uh, no one messes with Zebo. Thuggish, ruggish right there. And then going up against the Wiley veteran San Antonio team, which just plays ball. I mean, they ball. They're, they're like uh, clockwork, man. You know, they're like that number seven bus, never late, always on time. Always there when you need it, you know. That, that's San Antonio. It's just like clockwork every year. You expect them to be deep in the playoffs, and here they are again, and making noise. Led by Tony Parker, a rejuvenated Tim Duncan. Wow, that dude is playing some great basketball right now. Um, so D. Wills, I'm, I'm gonna give you first crack at it. What What do you think is gonna be? How do you think this is gonna go? First off, you know, how do you think the series is gonna play out? Well, you know, what we're learning, and I think what Memphis is learning in terms of their maturation process when you play somebody like San Antonio, is that they're going to make you be good at your number two and three thing that you have going on, as well as you can make adjustments. And Zebo is a great example. You know, we're on Facebook. He can 
football. And we played against cats who can only do that. And we knew from day one, we're going to force you to be your bad hand. We just knew that. And if you could beat me with your bad hand, then good for you. And Tim Duncan is putting on a classic show of how you force somebody to do something they're not comfortable with doing. And that's going to be the thread throughout this series. For Memphis to win, can they win with the number two, number three move? Can they make adjustments? That's going to be the thing. Because San Antonio has decided they're not going to let them have anything easy. And if they can do that, they're going to battle. That means Zebo's got to find other ways to score to open back up his left hand. And he's not going to to get a right hand between now and game time. So can they make those adjustments? Can they be good when they got to go to their secondary and tertiary options? I like that, tertiary. That's an SAT word. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Go ahead, Dean. Go ahead, Dean. Because Popovich is going to force you to be more sophisticated if you're going to be him. Can you stay in that? And I think they got it in them, but they're going to have to dig deep. And I, uh, how do they get so many corner threes? Has anybody watched the film? How come Green is always open? Because <laughs> he's Danny Green, Tony Parker. That's right. Yeah. Like Hubie Brown told uh, Glenn Davis a couple of years ago, uh, big fella, you're open for a reason. Yes. <laughs> it's got about 50% from three-point range in the playoffs at some point. He can't keep killing you with the threes. But, I think that's, you know, part of it is they're going to have to make those adjustments. But Zebo is going to have to find different ways to get him the ball. They may have to get him in the middle of the floor where it's harder for Duncan to shade him. But those are the kind of adjustments you're going to see. And the series is far from being over. But it's really the master against the student. And has the student learned enough? That's what we're going to find out. Devon is bringing the Stephen A. energy tonight. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, do either one of you guys watch Saturday Night Live? Either one of you guys watch, either one of you guys catch the Saturday Night Live every now and then? Every now and again. I I used to watch every now and again. The the cat Jay Farrow, man, the comedian Jay Farrow, he's he's one of the new cast members, but man, he does a great Stephen A., man. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I've heard him. He be killing it, man. <laughs> this weekend, man. And, you know, I can't say that every now and then. I happen to catch it this weekend, man. And he said, uh, you know, he's talking about, he's talking about how Stephen A. talking about Mario Thomas. Mario Thomas should never shoot the ball. You know, and he's like, and it hurts me to say that because Mario Thomas is a good friend of mine. He's the father of my child. <laughs>
you know, every pundit out there is saying that the way you have to beat the Heat is to pound them inside. And both these teams have the ability to do that, but I but I think that when they're playing at their best, Memphis can do it better than San Antonio. But with that, I feel like I'm just giving a whole riddle here. Um, but with that, <laughs> I trust the Spurs more. I do. But to answer your question, okay, just going to go back and forth. To answer your question, I think the Grizzlies can give them the best matchup. Okay, so the Grizzlies, that's your answer. (laughs) I'm going to have to disagree with you slightly because you kind of agree still. But, you know, I I, I would hate to face the Spurs in a seven-game series. I don't care who I am uh, with Popovich and Duncan and and just the smarts that they have and the adjustments that they make, as D-Will pointed out, I'd hate to play them in a seven-game series. I don't care who I am. I don't care if I'm the the 96 Bulls. You know, I wouldn't want to face that team in a seven-game series because they're going to give you everything they got. Um, that's the team I'd be worried about if I was uh, – I think both teams are dangerous to the Heat. I agree with you. But the team I'd be worried about most is San Antonio. Um, in, the, in, the, in the West in particular, um, you know, some guys are stepping up. And you mentioned the D. Wills. You talked about Danny Green. Why is he always open? Um who are some of those X factor guys, D Wills, that you see that are gonna play a huge role? You know, there's always one or two cats. Who are those guys that are gonna play a huge role in the Western Conference Finals this year? Those X Factor cats. Well, I mean the the one I mentioned I mean, we talked about Green, I think, you know, that supporting cast uh is gonna play because they defend then they do what they're supposed to do. They get their open shots, they nail it. Um I think that's it. Uh, Kawhi Leonard, who, when he's on his game, is a tough matchup uh, because he's aggressive and because you can't give him enough attention because you got to pay attention to the big three. I think that's going to be. Uh, I think that's going to be key. Um, on the Grizzly side, uh, you know, it, it's it's not really Conley. Still, is the guy who holds the glue for them. They got some best players who could come in. And do some work, but I think uh, defensively helping to set the charge, get them out, get them in the right sets. I still think for them, he is still going to be the key. He's going to make it work. He's going to keep them confident. He's going to keep it. He's going to keep it going. But uh, on uh, on the, on the San Antonio side, they need those support players, and they don't drop off that much. If you look at other teams. Their best players tend to drop off a little bit on the road. San Antonio, these guys are mature to a certain level where they don't drop off. I mean, do you even where's Dewan Blair? He's so far down the bench. He used to be the guy. He's so far down the bench. It's like, is he in the D league? I mean, and this is a guy who can play. So, so they depend very much on those bench guys being consistent at a certain level all the time to to really. Uh, help the big three. Whereas, you know, Grizzlies are going to have that short rotation. Uh, Tayshawn Prince, I think, is key uh, because what he can do on the defense is great. Getting out on the break, uh, having that play that energizes pe- their team, I think he might be a key. And his veteran leadership, he's been there. And he's played against San Antonio in these type of series, and I think his leadership could be helpful. Okay. 
Okay. Now I want to shift gears and swing the pendulum over to the east. As uh, as X Clan once said, to the east, my brother, to the east, we must go. So looking at this Eastern Conference, um, and this is something that I just I just get irked at from all the time is is the constant trying to make a story out of nothing. Yeah. You know, starting this off with the whole Frank Vogel situation. All right. <laughs> right. Come on, man. That's not who the reporter that got LeBron going needs to be slapped. All right. <laughs> you, he's that cat at on the playground run tell that. He's the, he's the, he's that run tell that cat that's that's hearing half of the half of the story and then running and telling another story somebody else to get them all riled up so he can see, so he can watch the fireworks after the fact. If you're not familiar, Frank Vogel came out, and basically, in a nutshell, he said that the Heat are the next team that the Indiana Pacers have to face if they're going to make it to the championship. It, it, you know, to get to, the next, to get to that level, this is the next team that we have to face. It was presented to LeBron as if, Vogel was disrespecting him and saying that he are just another team. In the end, LeBron got set up. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? The cat set LeBron up, and it's just like, come on, dog. So that, that that's just and, – and people ran with the story. You know, people try, just out there trying to create, sto- create stories, and that's how the media is nowadays because of the 24-hour news cycle. But I digress. I jumped out off my soapbox. PhD, the Eastern Conference Finals. How do you expect this to go, man? What do you see? How do you see this playing out? I think this goes six or seven games. Um, wait a minute, let me get some syrup for my waffle. Okay, so I think it goes seven <laughs> games. It goes seven games, and I like Miami, but eh, six games. I like Miami, but. It's something about this Indiana team, man, that they are getting tougher and tougher and tougher every year. I like the way they play. Roy Hibbert, he to me, he's a difference maker. And, and now this Stevenson kid is playing. Um, Lance Lance is playing well. I, you know, this this is a team that wasn't expected to do much when Granger was out for the rest of the year, but but all of a sudden they just have been playing very well. With that being said, Miami is truly the dominant team, and <laughs> this NBA scheduling is, is the use Stephen A, is atrocious because it has really helped these teams that need to get healthier get healthy. Dwayne Wade, I don't know what, he did when he went to the locker room in the third quarter or fourth quarter of that closeout game against Chicago. But, you know, it's obvious he was banged up and he needed the rest. And to me, he's the X factor for the Heat. Um, I would I would say the second X factor for the Heat is their outside shooting. They are unbeatable when their three-point shooters are making shots. You know, Battier shooting 40, 50% from three, and whoever is getting those open shots. I mean, that off, you have to play LeBron and the other, you know, players, strong offensive players on that team like Bosch and Wade in a certain way that the other two guys out there in the court are going to get shots, whether that's 
Ray Allen, Mike Miller, um, Chalmers, or Battier, you know, if those guys are making their shots like they were against the Oklahoma Thunder last year, they are tough to beat. And when they're not, that's when the Heat becomes beatable. That's when they become a beatable team. And so for me, if Wade can stay healthy, and and to me, I think the outside shooting is even more important than, than Wade's health. Because even if Wade is playing at an average level, which for him is still better than most players in the league, uh, the outside shooting is what's going to make the difference. I like the Pacers extended to six games, but I, I still see the Heat making the finals. Okay. All right. All right. I mean, and and I think you're right with the scheduling. That that's been a piece of this that that has uh kind of. I mean, just don't drag it out. Let's get this going. Let's get this playing. I have no idea why they're not playing tonight, and and Memphis and, and San Antonio aren't playing Wednesday, or well, somebody didn't play last night. You know, um, but I think you're right. They're definitely going to be healthy. Um, I'm on board with you. I I got the Heat taking it. I think it's going to be a tightly contested series. Um, but in the end, I got the heat prevailing. Um, How many games will. are you thinking of? I'm going six max. Um, I'm going six max. I think, you know, the the Heat understand what, exactly what they got to do to beat this team, and that's to get Hibbert off the floor. And they have, they're, they're, they're well equipped to do that. I mean, they, you can ask for two better players to do that. Um, you know, you got Dwayne. I mean, Dwayne Wade. You got D Wade. You got LeBron. The only other guy I'd ask for maybe give me Westbrook. One of those three guys put their head down, get to the basket, attack the rim. Um, put him in a situation where he's got to move his feet, uh, take a charge, try to contest the shot. He's got to make a decision um, with a freight train or a race car coming right at him. Uh, the freight train being LeBron, the race car being D-Wade. Um, and you got to make a split-second decision on how you're going to play this. Um, that's not where he's at his best. Uh, and, you know, he's prone to fouls. You get him off the floor, every statistical measure you got says Indiana's not the same team when he's not on the floor. They proved that last year when Bosch came back um, in that series. They were able to stretch the floor for one with Bosch out there. And that's where you really saw the birth of this small ball style that they've been playing since that series with Bosch at the center and LeBron at the four, which just makes them ridiculously hard to beat. Um, And I think, you know, it becomes a battle of wills. Is it going to be Indiana's size or the speed? Or the speed um, of of the Pacers that's going to win out. So yeah, I got it going six. I think I think it's gonna be tightly contested. I think it's gonna be six very very hot, very good, intense games. But I think in the end, the Heat are just gonna be a little bit too much. I think they're a little too focused. I think they're just ready right now. Um, D. Wills, we were talking before. We talked about the West. Um, give me. You're going to be the X-Factor guy tonight. Who are the X-Factors in this particular series, um, and how do you see this rolling? I, I think, uh, and he was an X-Factor in the first series, uh, I think Birdman. I think he's one of the, quietly one of the best acquisitions 
of the season. I think he is the person that is the LeBron protector. I think he is creating the energy. I think um, he will be able to match some of that intensity. Um, and then uh, Cole, I think, would be key. I think he's he's emerging. You know, the boy uh, 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 Mario Chalmers is moving to the background. And um, I think for for the Heat, that's the key. For for the Pacers, it's about Paul George. He is the only other guy on the floor besides, you know, D-Wade, who is ailing, is this complete player, right? He can do it all. And so part of what we'll have to see without Granger is, is he ready to rise to occasion? To me, the Heat are like Mayweather and – the Pacers are like Guerrero, young buck coming up, got talent, but may not be ready for the moment. Got all the tools to be a champ, but there's something about just being out of class because the champ is never out of shape. Like the Heat are staying ready right now. And, you know, comments and the stuff in the media just, just feel it for them. But I think they've eased into this kind of championship mindset. And it's, can, the, can the Pacers, on paper they should be a battle, but there's something about it happening when you're on that stage and the champ walks in. It's different when you're fighting the fight before. So, yeah, they beat, they beat the Knicks, but the Knicks was really like fighting Zab Judah. Kind of erratic, great talent, <laughs> but it's not always focused. It ain't like fighting Mayweather. But, yeah, Zab is a world-class fighter, but he ain't Mayweather. And so I think it's it's – can the people like Paul George perform in a way that gets the rest of his team to believe the rhetoric that they can win? That's going to be the key for them. They got a lot of pieces. They got a lot of guys who can step up. But do they got somebody? The one point is I don't know who's going to be that dog. And in this series, they need a dog. Nate Robinson tried to be the dog. Nate got that in his game. But I don't see a Nate Robinson type on the Pacers. What about Lance Stevenson? I think he got he, it, but he's the, only reason I bring, the only reason I bring him up is because he's just a knucklehead. And knucklehead, you got to have one or two. You got to have one or two because they don't know no better. He's a knucklehead, but his game's not complete enough for me. So the guys on the Heat defend well enough. He's the kind of cat that Batty is going to frustrate, right? Because he might mess around and make him get a technical just because Batty ain't know how to do that. You know, Batty ain't going to say something about his, his mom or something strange and smile. And he's like, I didn't like you because you had this thing growing up. He's going to say something strange. Yeah. Tougher and tougher out, they're getting stronger. But this is the moment. 
and are you ready for it? This is like MGM Grand. Like, it's different when you fight at the Barclays Center. But this MGM Grand all access. Right. Everybody in the house. It's, that's a little bit different. Jay-Z going to be on the front. You know, it's going to be a little bit kind of different kind of game, and are you ready for this moment? I'll, it's it's going to take Paul George and somebody like that to step up for this. Yeah, this this will be interesting to see. You know, Paul George did a great job on Melo in the last series. Um, you know, he's gonna earn he, he's gonna earn his uh, his superstar card the hard way this playoff season. Um, if he's gonna be if he's gonna if he's gonna if he's gonna get in the club, you know, if he's gonna get that superstar ID card to get into the super club superstar, he's gonna he's gonna earn it the hard way. Uh, he's gonna have to work two jobs <laughs> to be able to afford to get into the club. <laughs> um, <laughs> So, so he have his older brother, that, his older brother's fake ID, something like that. You know right, what it is, right, right, <laughs> exactly, exactly. You're gonna need something. Yeah. So that concludes this edition of the Funky Editorial. We're gonna check back in on these playoff series. You know, you know we are. So you know, one thing we know how to talk that's NBA. Listen to the Real Sports Guys, RealSportsGuys.com, RSG, Renegade Radio, brought to you by Resistance Digital Solutions. Make sure you hit up our boy LR at resistancedigital.com to get all your digital needs met and get your tech game right. And we're going to transition, right? We're going to transition. You know, back in the day on the old soul song, they called us the bridge. We're going to go to the bridge. We're going to take them to the bridge, and we're going to move into our top ten NBA seasons of all time. Uh, we're going to hit you off with – Number four through two, and I'm gonna have my man PhD get us going. So PhD, pick it up at the number four, top NBA seasons of all time. All right. Now this was your idea, so I want you to kind of get everybody back into the thought process of why we're doing this exercise. Why are the RSG cats going through this? Let everybody know. Well. <laughs> First of all, I won a fantasy basketball league this year. Just want to put that out there. Um, Here he go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna get you a t-shirt, dog. <laughs> you know. yeah, I just, I'm just gonna I just go ahead and do that. It's just gonna show up at your doorstep, man. You gonna have to, you gonna have to text me your address. <laughs> okay, so couple of things this this really emerged from the level that LeBron James was playing at throughout this season especially when he was going through this stretch of you know shooting almost 60% from the field and I mean just his season now we can just take a step back and say this is one of the best statistical seasons from an efficiency level and a dominance level that we've seen ever in my opinion and so we put together a top 10 NBA season list, and the catch was guys can only appear in the list once. So guys like Will and Oscar, if we could allow them to be in the list multiple times, they would be the list. So to recap my top 10, I had David Robinson, 91-92 season, Garnett, the 03-04 season is my honorable mention, at number 10, I had Magic Johnson for the 86-87 season with the Lakers, where he averaged 24 points, 6 boards, 12 assists, 
a couple of steals, and he shot over 50%, and they won the chip. At nine, I had LeBron's 07-08 season, where he averaged 30 points, nearly eight rebounds, and seven assists. Eight, I had Elgin Baylor, a very controversial pick at eight. His 61-62 season with the Lakers, where he averaged 38 points and 18 boards. Seven, I had Shaquille O'Neal. Uh, he uh, his ninety nine two thousand season, and then Bill Russell. I had him at six. His sixty three thirty four, sixty three sixty four season where he averaged fifteen points and twenty four rebounds. Some of these lines are just sick when you read them. Um, at fifth, I had Hakeem Olajuwon. His eighty nine ninety season where he averaged twenty four points, fourteen rebounds, and, and nearly five blocks a, a game. And now we're coming into the fresh stuff. Number four, I have Michael Jordan. And this season, which was his 88-89 season, this made all of our top ten lists. During this season, he averaged 32-8 and 8 and three steals, and he shot 54% from the field. Um, His team lost to the Pistons in the Eastern Conference Finals, but this was the last season that, you know, Jordan lost in the conference finals. Uh, During the season, Jordan was just, he was unbelievable. To me, his scoring came down a little bit, a few points, but those eight assists is, to me, was the difference of getting his team over the hump. Those extra three or four possessions over the course of a game where he gave up those shots, to give other guy to get other guys involved in the offense. And, you know, that that led to an extra buck or two per game. But I think it led to more. It led to guys being more engaged in the game and having more confidence. Third, Kareem Abdul Jabbar. Again, this is a season that appeared in all three of our top tens. Kareem with the Milwaukee Bucks, seventy one seventy two season. My man averaged thirty five 16 rebounds, four assists. He shot 57% from the field goal, uh, from the field. And this was one of the last seasons where where the block statistic was not kept. Um, A couple of seasons later, he averaged nearly four blocks a game. So one can imagine he was probably in that neighborhood, if not a little bit more, uh, a little bit higher. So, uh, I mean, to me it's just an excellent season. You know, 35 and – in, in, in 16 rebounds a game, you are clearly dominating the game. And the 4.6 assists just shows how much he developed his game um, from when he came out of UCLA. Number two, Oscar Robinson. And, and this was tough because my man over a five-year uh, a five year stretch, my man averaged a um, uh no, he didn't average a triple-double over that stretch. But for this season, he averaged 31, 12, and 11. 31 points, 12 rebounds, and 11 assists. I'm not even going to try to explain why that's great. I'll, I'll just say it a few times. 31 points, 12 assists, or 12 rebounds, and 11 assists. One more time. 1961-62, Cincinnati, 31 points, 12 rebounds, 11 assists. I'm dropping the mic and I'm walking off the stage. Boom. Jackson Heights on Randy Watson. 
No, uh, I can't argue with none of those, man. Um, you know, we, we've, we've rehashed it about the whole pace issue of the 60s. Um, but that's a triple-double, um, as, as, you, as, you as you belabored uh, through that point. <laughs> it's a triple-double. And, you know, it is what it is, man. You, you can't argue with that. It's, it's still a great feat. I don't care what pace, pace you're playing at. He was still only got to do it. Um Kareem season again. If you st- if, if they had a block stat, wow, does that season probably? Because I'm 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 guessing I'm guessing he's probably at five or six blocks a game. That's yeah. what I'm guessing is that he's probably at five or six blocks a game. So it's just unbelievable when you start to go through this, and this is what makes this exercise go so great, man. Is when you start to go through this and really look at some of the statistical seasons that have happened in NBA history, it really allows you to put into perspective um, a lot of the things that you're seeing um, and gives you a greater context of just understanding how, how great some of these guys were. Um, I'm going to jump into my four through uh, two. Again, just a quick recap of, of, of how we got to this point on my list. Um, at number 10, I had... Allen Iverson's 2005-2006 season, AI <laughs> average. <laughs> it was hotly contested, hotly contested. Um, as my number 10, um, AI averaged 33 points a game, uh, six assists. Um, and for me, it's just dynamic how a guy at that size um, played the way he played, scored the way he scored. You know, it, 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 some guys – and come along and they score in spectacular fashion. Um, and that was AI. You know, Dominique Wilkins. Guys like that who just when they scored it when they score, not only do they score a lot, but when they score it's amazing. George Gervin, you know, Pistol Pete. Guys like that who come along and, you know, whether they win or lose, it's just unbelievable to watch them. You know, a, a guy a modern day guy that comes to mind is a guy like Steph Curry. Um when Curry goes off, it's hard to take your eyes off of him because He's raining three from, you know, 27, 28 feet beyond from the basket. So, you know, AI that season was that. Uh, he was walking spectacular. Uh, he was walking spectacular. Uh, my number nine was LeBron James, the Cavaliers, the 2008-2009 season. And the reason I chose that season um, for LeBron is simply he led that team. He had a great statistical season. It wasn't as good as his 07-08 season. Um Statistically, but the fact that he won 66 games with Mo Williams as his second best player. Like, when we talk about superhero terms, LeBron was Superman, and Mo Williams was like underdog. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That, 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 that's the level of sidekick you got from Mo Williams. Like, I'm Superman, and I got to roll with underdog. Come on. Right. So. That, that's where we at with my number nine. My number eight was Larry Bird, his uh, 84-85 season. I had Magic clocking in at number seven, the 86-87 season. Uh, Oscar Robertson, I had his triple-double season um, at number six, uh, which uh, was, was somewhat contested by the fellas. Um, you know, they thought I should have had it higher. Um, my argument was pace, pace of play. But, again, nonetheless, triple-double is a triple-double. He's on my list. Uh, Moses Malone. This one, this one, the guys got after me a little bit on having Moses in, but 
Moses led the league in minutes as a big man, which to me his stats were great in his 81-82 season. He led the Rockets um, to the playoffs. I think they won a championship this year, this particular season. But, you know, Moses is, a, in my my opinion, at least amongst my generation, a very underrated big man. We give props to Will and Kareem because they had unbelievable numbers. Moses kind of gets lost in the shuffle. We give love to Shaq because we saw Shaq. We saw Akeem. We saw the Admiral. We saw Pat Ewing. We kind of missed Moses, and Moses kind of fell into a fell into a funny place in history. So I wanted to honor Moses and put him on my list. So I got him at five. My top four, or my two through four, my four through two. I'll give that to you now. Starting at number four, I got Shaquille O'Neal, nineteen ninety nine to two thousand. Now this season, Shaq was a monster. Shaq was what Shaq was supposed to be. All the time this particular season. Shaq, 29.7 points per game, 13.6 rebounds, uh, three blocks, 3.8 assists. I mean, just dominant. He, this is what Shaq was supposed to do every year of his career. This is really the only year we got to see this, though. Shaq, to me, was... A, uh, an underachiever. As good as he was, this guy had the physical tools to be, hands down, the best center we ever saw. Now, it's debatable whether or not he was the best center we ever saw because it just don't feel like he was always fully invested. I call it big man syndrome. And Shaq definitely had big man syndrome uh, for the majority of his career. Dwight Howard, I think, has big man syndrome. But it's like, you're just too you're just too nice. You, you, you're focused on other stuff because you can get away with it. You're more gifted than everybody else. You're more physically blessed than everybody else out there. Um, you're bigger. You're stronger. And so you don't have to put in the work that other guys do to be uh, impactful. And that was Shaq. And we can get into that later, whether or not, you know, that's, that's, a, that's a whole other funky editorial where we talk about what's Shaq an underachiever. Um, and I would say, heck, yeah. Um, classic underachiever. Number three on my list, I got Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Same spot PhD had him. Uh, same season, 71-72. Um, PhD laid it out. Enough said. My number two, Michael Jordan, Chicago Bulls, 89-90 season. Mike. Killed it. Killed it. I'm missing my stats, though. But I know he had a great seat. I think they posted. Okay. I'm going to have to pull them up. My stats are missing from my spreadsheet. But 32. Jordan this year. Okay, eight you got it. 32. Eight. 32, 8-8, eight eight, three steals, and 54% from the field. Thank you, my man. You always got my back. So, yeah, Mike, wow. I mean, you talk about, again, you talk about statistical. Uh, and this is this is a knock that Mike gets a lot, is that he's not a great passer. Um, he, he, he didn't have great floor vision. Mike could do whatever he wanted to do on the court. Mike chose to do what was going to allow him to win. I think that's the thing that people kind of overlook with Mike, is that Mike played the game to win it at all times. 
and he was going to do whatever he needed to do in that particular setting to win. Now, it doesn't mean he did it by himself. It doesn't mean he was the only guy out there. But Mike did pass it to Paxson. Mike did pass it to Kerr when he needed to. When that, when that was the right play to be made, when that was the thing that needed to happen to win, Mike gave up the ball. When Mike felt like he had it and he needed to take the shot, he took the shot. So that's the season I wanted to highlight, particularly with Michael Jordan, because of that idea that, you know, he wasn't, you know, he did a lot on the court. The cat did an unbelievable play defense, rebounded, assisted. He did everything. Um, and I think people overlooked that because people remember kind of the later years of his career. This was, again, earlier in his career. And this is when he didn't have great teammates as well. Um, the Bulls, were, he, he wasn't playing with the Scottie Pippen that we think of when we think of Scottie Pippen. Um, he wasn't playing with the Horace Grant that we think of. There was no Rodman, not that he shot. Um, but the guys that he were playing with weren't awesome either. So that's my four through two. So I got Shaq. 99, 2000, Kareem, 71 to 72, and Jordan, 89, 90. So, any, any, any analysis, any, any, any qualms to pick with me? Uh, and, and I'm not saying this is even a criticism. I think uh, the Shaq season is incredible. And I think, <clears throat> and I'm thinking about why I didn't have it higher. And I think part of it is what you said is the bias. Yeah, I don't know if I looked at Shaq, because this is supposed to be individual season. Right. And if you really look at it, it's an incredible season. And it would trust me, for a big man that would be averaging 3.8 assists, right? Uh, is that what it, what it was? I mean, so yes. one of the things that's underrated about Shaq is his ability as a passer, incredible passer. Um, and uh, the rebounding numbers, because people's biggest criticism is that he should have been more a dominant rebounder particularly in the age that he played in. And so I think part of the criticism people might give on Shaq at this at this point, even as you might compare it to maybe Moses' season, which I think I, I give you credit for lifting Moses up, um, would be part of it is that biasy around longevity, but if we just stick into the individual season, you can't really argue it. Okay. Yeah, and, and I agree, man. Again, like, you know, again, that, that just that snapshot of a season where a guy yeah. was just unbelievably dominant, um, and, and uh, you know, I just I just really really thought that that was a good snapshot of what Shaq could have been more regularly, um, but he just I felt like he just opted out a lot. Um, but let's, now, get into yours. I w- let's get into your. I would have put you. A, I would have said I'd have put Oscar at four and maybe Shaq at five. Because Oscar season, but I believe it and well. we could have done that, and we could have done that, and we, we we could have done that. But you're bringing up old stuff now. You want to rehash the whole Oscar? But, 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 but it is your list, so I'm a, <laughs> what you do? We finna get into your list. We finna get into your list. Quickly quickly recap your top ten, and then when you get to four, three, and two, really get into the guys that you have in those spots. Ready, set, go. Oh my goodness! Well. Uh, I had Russell's 63-64 season at 10, uh, where he had, you know, uh, 15 points, 25 rebounds, uh, 4.7 assists. We don't know how many blocks he could have had uh, during that year. I thought it was a a great 
season on top of it, they won an NBA championship. Um, and so I'm really in my list. A lot of people um, pay attention to the scoring on a list like this. But I, I really give uh, credit to more all-around statistics around this. Um, and so his scoring wasn't high, but the other things he did matter to win it and really reflect what kind of player he was. Uh, Lajuan's 89-90 season, and you probably had heard the guys talk about that. In some ways, you forget how great he was um, in terms of his statistics, um, but just uh, uh, I believe he, what, he had 29 points uh, a game. I think it was about 13, almost 14 rebounds. His assists, block shots, lead shot, but – it was just an amazing season. I, some, I think sometimes he gets lost in the shuffle. And then at eight, I had Shaquille. Um, and so Marcus just talked about him. And in that season, I had him at eight. Um, and then Kareem, this, is, this might have been my biggest overlook uh, as I start to think about it more and probably took a lot of heat when we talked about this, his 71-72 season. I would argue if I went back and looked at it again, I probably would have had this higher, um, even based on I am a reflective person. Um, and so uh, I, I do take in – feedback and would believe that I would have this higher, but I had it at seven, so it is what it is. Larry Bird, um, these next two sometimes get lost in the shuffle, but Larry Bird's 84-85 year where he's averaging 28 points, almost 29 points, 10 rebounds, 6.6 assists, 1.6 steals, 1.2 blocks. He shot 52% from the field, but he shot 42.7% from the three-point line and 88% from the free throw line. But 42%, they shot better from the three-point line than most cats shoot from, uh, uh, for, uh, in terms of field goal percentage. That is an amazing season in terms of an all-around player. And when you think about even Larry in terms of his athleticism and limited, this is a guy that just knew how to play the game. Um, and I don't even think this season is getting the kind of, when you really think about 42% from three-point line. And you know how many threes he shot. So that's amazing. That's his all-around kind of game. And then at five, I have Magic, 86-87. And I probably took the the most heat for this, but he scored 23.9 points uh, per game, 12.2 assists. He had 6.3 rebounds. He had 1.7 steals. You know, he shot 52% from from the field, um, 84% uh, from the uh, free throw line. Um, He was MVP that year. But he was responsible, I think, for I think we figured out probably about 50% of the points uh, for the team came through Magic or something like that I think when we talked about it. So his responsibility for their success and the percentage that he had for it was amazing. Um, and this is my, my the way I look at great seasons as being more – he's probably the greatest example of how I don't get so caught up in the scoring part. I'm looking for an all-round great season. And then Jordan at uh, 88, 89, uh, as I get to my four through two. Uh, what I love about this is Jordan, and uh, Marcus, I think you put it great, and and, uh, uh, and I know Phil talked about this, but he came really as close to Oscar as you could come, given what, how people define him. So he came close to averaging a triple-double for the season. That's amazing. Given that, as Marcus did so correctly talk about, he really didn't have the horses with him. You know, Pippen was having migraines, and so he was trying to work with that Excedrin. Uh, he could, you know, and, and his, his biggest headache was being Bill Lambeer uh, and Dennis Rodman. 
Uh, and and so Jordan was trying to get the other te- the rest of the team to believe, and he had to. Tr- this was like the trust season. He had to share the ball enough to trust and rebound and do everything else, carrying the groceries, go get the McDonald's, get the Gatorade. He was doing everything. And so, you know, I'm a bad boy fan, but I got it. Your greatness is greatness. And so uh, I had to really respect this this season. And then at, at, at number three, I had Elgin Baylor. And this is probably the most controversial because I have it so high. But I think Elgin Baylor is not really understood. And, you know, he didn't play – he had to – he didn't play a full season. He was – he was uh, uh, in the military for part of it. So it's like a cat playing at the highest level while he had a part-time job. It's like imagining, you know, LeBron <laughs> is playing, but he got to go work at FedEx and still get back and still perform. And he he played 48 games, but he averaged 38.3 a game, 18.6 rebounds uh, per game, 4.6 assists. He had some games where he was he – w- he had like 30 rebounds. I mean, he – he put on a clinic, and this was a great season of players. I mean, 61-62 had some great numbers, but I think Elgin Baylor is sometimes a forgotten superstar. And then my number two is Will in 61-62. It, you, I mean, all you got to do is say the numbers, and there's no explanation. 50 points per game, 25.7 rebounds, 2.4 assists, 50% from the field, he lost in the finals, I believe, conference finals to the Celtics. Uh, and uh, an incredible season. But I have him at number two. And the only reason I don't have him at number one is the theme that I've been talking about that I, I think is part of what it means to be a great basketball player in a great season is why my number one is my number one. Okay. Okay. So there you have it, folks. <laughs> PhD, any, any, any critique of my man D. Will's? Four through two. Uh, so a guy averages fifty points a game, twenty six rebounds, <laughs> and that's not the best season ever for you. No, it's not. Okay. And I, I'll give you my rationale later, and I love it. I think it's great, and I'm, I'm enamored with. It. Um, but I think the reason why I have my number one, my number one, because I think that's an even greater feat because no one else is even. Yes, people haven't come close to Wilt, but part of Wilt's dominance was not only his athleticism, his size. He had so many things that allowed for him to dominate this way. But my number one for where he dominated and the way you do it, the given that no one's even come close to it. I just that's my rationale. I thought about this long and hard because I think this was an incredible season, and so I, I can't even. I'm not going to sit here trying to argue that part about right. it. Smart enough to get there, but I think my philosophy for how I evaluate a great season, I think my my number one um, exhibits that as much because of the person that launched this conversation in the first place, and it's like paying homage to the new version, the the 2.0 version. Of it, and I believe he may do it. LeBron may do it. I think it's a goal of his. Yeah, I hope so because I'd love to see it. I'd love to see it. I would love to see it, no doubt. So I know it's going to be controversial, man. (laughs) I'm not without controversy. You can't look at that. You got to look at that. You got to look at that fifty with your good eye. 
You can't even, I can't even look at the list without the 50 sticking out at me. You know, there's an average of 50, which means he scored more than 57 times. You try to cover that, your eye up so you can't even see the 50. Yeah, it hurts you to stick out. It's talking to you. Yeah, he shot 50 regularly. Yeah. Yeah, this wasn't one of those individual occasions. It was he was just doing work. Now, I remember how yeah. dominant. I remember how dominant Amari Stoudemire was when he scored nine or ten straight games over thirty. You know, during his first right. season, and mm-hmm. how we were so impressed with that guy averaged fifty points. Wow. That's just, yeah, I mean, crazy. getting outside of the debate part of it, that just blows me away, man. 50 points. I mean, a lot of cats don't make that if you include their warm-up shots. <laughs> That's right. You know they was elbowing him, fouling him. You know they were doing it all, trying to hang on him. You know. They're doing it all on him. Yeah, man. Yeah. Wow. Wow. So you listen to the Real Sports Guys, realsportsguys.com, RSG, Renegade Radio, headed into the home stretch. It's a sprint. It's a sprint from here on out, fellas. Let's jump into it. We got a little something for you. We like to call it the five on the black hand side. Ready, go. Five. Five. On the black hand side. Yes, sir. In this edition of the Five on the Black Hand Side, we have five topics that we're going to get into today. Uh, first, topic number one, the theme of this Five on the Black Hand Side is free agency and the NBA draft. The lottery was just done tonight. Breaking news, folks. The Cleveland Cavaliers got the first pick again? Man. Wow. wow. And, so, and I think it was you, D-Wills, that talked about how you know, that was a squad to watch out for come next season. That's right. If they played this right, they played this right, they picked the right cat. Um, you know, getting Kyrie some help on the cheap is that's the way to go, man. That could be that could be Oklahoma City North. Um but we'll get into that in a moment. Our number one for the five on the black hand side. A lot of lot of stuff going on in the NBA. Off season started kicking the gear as the conference finals are going. So we gotta talk about Free agency, and where do we think the whether where do we think the following players are going to wind up? Are they going to stay with the current team? Or are they going to be on a different team? So the first guy up for for uh, debate is Dwight Howard. A lot of reports come out of L.A. He's not happy with Dan Tony. You know he had a bad exit interview. He's looking at Houston. D. Wills, y'all know how we feel about Dwight. Around these parts, listeners out there, y'all know how the renegades feel about Dwight. D. Wills, Dwight Howard, is he staying with the Lakers or is he leaving? Man, that's 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 so hard. I, I would say that, man, it's 50-50. Uh, my guess is that he stays. Somehow they make it happen. I think they get rid of D- uh, D'Antoni. I think that uh, uh, that uh, the son, Bus, Jim, whatever, Loses control. Um, uh, Jenny still has 
control of it. I think, you know, obviously she's got to make a decision about his position. But I think at some point, I think D'Antoni goes. Players always win in this, uh, and he stays. Uh, if that doesn't happen, he won to Houston. But I, I would say that they make the coaching change because this is not a coach that's going to help them win. And I think they deep down they know it. So uh, I think they get rid of him and he stays. Mm. So you think they get rid of that? I don't think I don't think Dwight's staying. Tac, what do you think? Yeah, Dwight's gone. I yeah, I don't expect to see him around. And this is the best point I heard about it earlier today. Uh, this is this is the best point I've heard, is that it's like the Lakers are like a classic Rolls Royce. Like classic, just any classic car you can think of, a Benz, whatever. Think about your favorite car. Somebody is offering you the keys to this car. Most of us are snatching those keys and jumping in the car and driving off. <laughs> but for some reason, Dwight is saying, I don't know. I, uh, I'm i not sure. The hesitation in itself says you should probably do something else. You know, you don't want to pay the car note. You 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 don't want you don't want, you don't want to be seen like that. You don't want to, you don't want the extra attention that comes with riding in that kind of a car. Then you know what? Maybe you should just go a different way. Maybe no, you should. I think it's, but I think I think you hit it. But I think his the white situation is yes, the keys to the car. I'm giving the keys to the car, but you got to take my cousin Vinny to work every day. And Dwight's like, I like the car, but I can't take Cousin Vinny to work every day. And I think that's the issue. He ain't mad at the car. He's looking at the fact you got D'Antoni in the drive, you know, in the car with him riding to work. That's the difference. I don't think he run away from the car. He run away from the fact you give me the car with these with this responsibility of taking Cousin Vinny, and Cousin Vinny be spilling stuff on the seats. <laughs> I just can't do that. Man, now, yeah, I, I but think, I, think, I, I, think, I don't I buy that. Many, I don't buy that. This, nigga, this is a flaky guy. I think he don't want to be there. I think he don't want to be there, and he's throwing D'Antoni under the bus. It's easy to it's easy to blame the coach. It's easy to blame the system. But, but, but let me go. Let me let me ask. You. I think deep down, do think, it's harder for him and his black to say, "I just don't want to trust you being being a Laker." Let me ask you: Do you think if Phil was coaching, would he still be there? Yes, because you know why he would still be there. Phil would have worked on his psyche, and that's his problem. And that's why I think this is this is a smokescreen. Because I think his psyche. Is, he, he let me, let me ask you another question. Say, you I don't want to be a Laker because they're not getting you. Let me ask you: You a basketball guy? Can they win with that coach? Can they win with? No, they can't win with Dan Tony. We all know that, <laughs> and he knows that. And he and he knows I can't keep taking the heat for losing. I at least got to have a coach that's going to help me. He's not better than the coach I left. That's got to be part of the equation. Now, he can't keep in a reputation for running. That's the other bad part. So he can't keep running. Now you look like, now you, look like uh, you know, one of these great stars that's been married seven times. It's cool when you've only been married to Brad Fritz and you and you divorce and you keep doing it. But when you're on your seventh husband and that's, or your seventh wife, now you got a different reputation now. And so he's got to – you don't want to be one of these cats that's wearing four jerseys and trying to figure out which one to go in the Hall of Fame. He also has to look at that. So, I mean, I, I'm just saying that I, everything you said makes sense, but he his brand can't take another hit to run to another location. 
That's worse okay. than staying okay. and dealing with the coach. All right. I'm going to give you the last uh-huh. word on that one. I'm going to give you the last word. But I'm going to pass this from the PhD. Chris Paul, is he staying with the Clippers or is he going to be elsewhere next season? Ooh, that's a tough one right there. I think he stays with the Clippers because they were better than the Lakers this year. And I think he saw a taste of what life can like what life in LA can be like. Um the Clippers have to make a blockbuster move to keep him though. So whether it's moving a lot of their key parts where they might not be as deep, but they might bring in another star to play with Chris Paul and Blake, um, or it may include moving Blake and moving Blake for a more solid player or two. So, but overall, I, I, I think the Clippers have been on the doormat for so long I saw that the Clippers are now in jersey sales and ticket sales. I mean, like, this overall metric, they were third in the league in terms of uh, just just what they brought to the table. And, and and Chris Paul has a lot to do with that in terms of their popularity. I mean, everybody liked to watch the Clippers because of Blake before Chris even got there. But it's different now because they're good. You know, this is a team that... We knew they were going to make the playoffs all year. It was just, okay, where are they going to end up? And so the Clippers for so long under Sterling have, have just been bottom dwellers. And and I think it's time for them to kind of make a splash to make their team better. And to Paul's credit, I think he's going to require that they do that. Yeah, and I think uh, getting rid of Vinny the Black – was it was like the first shoe to drop um with the overhaul that they may they may get into. Now the thing that the thing that I uh I keep struggling with with this idea that they they're gonna overhaul this roster is that so if you move Blake and and DeAndre Jordan, like I keep hearing that they want they want bigs who can shoot or who who are a little bit more offensively inclined, who can space the floor a little bit more so that people just can't clog up the lane, and I, I don't know who that is. So that's my one thing: is who are you trying to go get? Bynum's busted. You, I don't think Brook Lopez is necessarily an upgrade um, because he's. He, he, I mean, I, I just don't see that. I, I, that's a hard sell for me as an upgrade. Um, when you talk about low post scoring, I mean, where are you getting that from in 2013 in NBA? That's my thing. As, as people keep saying that they need to, they need to go get a big. That that I mean, the only guy I can think of is Lamarcus Aldridge. Um, that's the only guy I can think of, and is that necessarily an overall upgrade over Blake? I don't know. What do you think about that? Like, where do you think they could go? Give me some names. Either one of you. Give me some names because I've, I've heard this theory thrown out a lot that they that they mean they mean might need to get rid of Blake or DeAndre Jordan, but I don't know if what they're looking for even exists in the league right now or is available at least. 
Yeah, that's that's uh, that's that's interesting. Um, you know, depending on how the cap stuff play out, and and depending on how uh, a team like um, I'm not gonna say Memphis or a team like Indiana does, it has a lot of different parts. Um, you know, if you could get, you know, they got a lot of stuff coming up. You know, David West. Is uh, is he going to be a free agent? I think this year. Um, some other things because they need they need somebody who can work the block. One of the things that you see with the teams who are remaining, whether it's they're putting LeBron down there or whether it's San Antonio got different people down there, but folks who can create opportunities for easy scores because they can command something down the post. You know, they, they're not to work. I don't know if they can work the deal, but they're going to have to look at something like that. You know, catch a guy like a David West or someone like that that can can go to work down there because they got all the other pieces, but they need somebody who can consistently do that. And I, if you can move Blake to do that, Jordan can – he has the ability to, to protect the rim. Um, he's been developing offensively. Uh, you can do some different things. But if you haven't played along someone like a David West or someone like that and maybe get some other pieces, the thing is they got too many guys who are like – they need to get some different types of pieces. And so – but I think if they get someone like a David West or something like that, um, I think that would help them out tremendously. Or even look at Atlanta and get one of their, you know, one of their guys, their bigs down there. Um, you know, I think they could, they might be able to make a move with something like Atlanta. They got some guys who can play on the block who might come out and give that presence. Okay. All right. So I'm going I'm to throw this one to you, D. Wills. Power Saul, staying in L.A. or leaving? Yeah. Man. I think they're going to push him out because they've been trying to push him out. But, uh, you know, if Dwight leaves in the style that uh, D'Antoni wants to play, I think uh, Powell is perfect for that because of his versatility. Um, but I think they've been trying to push him out forever. So I, I, I think ultimately I think Powell goes. I think the only way they hold on to him is if they know they're going to lose Dwight and they need to keep one of the bigs. But I think, I think Powell's at this point, he's kind of tired of it. He sees the success his brother's having. I think he he's probably looking to ch- for a change of venue. Mm. Mm. So you got you got you got Powell going. What do you think of that PAC? You think Powell is you think they go get rid of Powell? Yeah, I I think like to answer your previous question, I think Paul Gasol and Rudy Gay would look very good next to Chris Paul. Mm-hmm. Mm. Okay, and then now that that. That's an interesting possibility. That's an interesting possibility. Uh, just had those cast switch locker rooms in the Staples Center. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a thought. It's a thought, man. It's a thought. I, uh, the Lakers would go for that because, you know, it's it's, it's, it's it's shiny. That'd be a shiny deal. Um, yeah, and I, and I think Toronto would go for it, too, because if they got the opportunity, I mean, in that deal, if they could put a deal together for Gay and Gasol, with Gall, like with Gasol negotiating to take a little bit less money, and with Toronto say getting Blake, uh, I mean Toronto wants to be competitive, but they also want to sell tickets. Man, think about how great right. Vince Carter was, and a yeah. guy like Blake, you know, even if they're not making the playoffs, they're relevant. They're relevant in a in a hockey crazed country. That's right. I like that move. All right. 
GM Thompson. GM Thompson gets the job done. Get right. it done. Get on the phone. Make that call. Make that call. Now, last one. The last one. This is going to you, Thompson. Uh, Garnett and Pierce, are they back in Boston? Yes. They're back in Boston because uh, <laughs> Doc Rivers is going down with the ship. He is going down with the guys. <laughs> he is going down with the guys that he went to the dance with. Like the great general. That's right. <laughs> he is going down with the ship. With a horse voice. With a horse voice. He down. Right. You're not going to The ship is going down, but is the band still playing? You know, is the, is the band still playing? That's the only question I got. That's right. <laughs> and so when you look at uh I mean when you look at Doc Rivers, I think of El Pacino's character from any given Sunday. And <laughs> he was trying to get cap. The guy that was kinda of playing the Marino role, uh Dennis Quaid's character, the quarterback. You know, yeah. and, and he told the guy in the hospital, you know, Cap I'm with you. I with you, you know. You make it back for the playoffs, you know. I'm going. If I'm going down, I'm going down with you. And and that's pretty much what, much what Doc has said to Garnett and Pierce. And even with Rondo playing as well as he has, he is not giving that team over to Rondo. So now why he's the coach? That's right. That's right. Let the next man deal with that. <laughs> Doc is going down it. with the show. That's the quote right I there. Uh, you got to mark the tape on that one. That's got to be used for a promo. Phil T. Yeah, and Rare absolutely. That, that was some, that was some of my favorite news. So it, here's a quick question. We're running out of time. But we're going we're gonna to keep digging into these. We've got about eight minutes left. Um, number two. Of the of the eliminated teams, the Bulls, the Knicks, the Warriors, and Thunder, who has the best chance of being contention next season? D. Wills. You gotta give me one I, I, of those four. Uh, Thunder, Thunder. I, I think they they, they okay. gotta help you with a superstar. The Thunder. All right, so you're going with the Thunder. You going? Yeah. With the, but and here's the question I gotta ask: Is is that enough though? Is Westbrook and Durant going to be enough if Ibaka, you know, if if he disappears again? I I, I think that uh, one thing, it would be interesting to see what sitting on the sidelines or up in the stands is going to do for Westbrook when he's watching the game from a different vantage point and what that might mean to the development of his game. But I think, you know, people like Ibaka. Man, it's not going to do nothing well. for the development of his game, Devon. He was up there watching well, like they need me every second. They need me out there shooting shots. Give me a chance. A person like Ibaka. That's all Russell Westbrook's song, man. A person like Ibaka is best when he's playing in his natural role. He got quickly elevated to a much higher role than he's used to. But if he's going to be a third wheel within with Durant and stuff, I think he'll play well under that. He's the kind of cat, I'm good for the third wheel. You know, but then when he had to be the wing, he was like, I'm not comfortable with this. This is too much space. I think he'll be good as a third wheel, and I'm sure I think they're going to make some moves. I think he's going to make some moves. Um, and then I think uh, part of what they got to do is to coach. 
No, he, he's getting a pass. I still think we don't we don't put enough on coaches understanding how to use their rotations, how to set players up. And I'm still I'm looking at Brooks with one eye open, my good eye, and I still not comfortable with how he coaches. And I and I'm glad Chuck called this out because that's his boy. But style of play, you need to pick up the pace. He's not changing. I mean, he doesn't do the kind of things you see Mark Jackson doing. Adjustments. You don't see the kind of things you see Popovich doing or Rivers. Sometimes I think he just rolls the ball out. I used to get on Woodson about this. Roll the ball out and just let them play. Now, you got to coach these cats even at the highest level. And yeah, I don't think he coaches enough. And so I, hopefully that's the part he's got to pick up. He's, he's going to be on watch. Two more seasons, he's going to be on watch. <laughs> he's going to get the dreaded Coach of the Year award. It's going to be a wrap. He's going to get, get in. It's going to be a wrap. You know, but I think they got the best chance. Uh, you know, we're not going to other teams, but I think you gave a good reason why the Warriors might have fought uh, the uh, the uh, fight, uh, the, uh, the 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 uh, um, uh, Manila fight. And they did they come? Yeah. Are they going to come out a different team on the other side? But I, I would say the Thunder. Okay, okay. PhD, who you got out of that uh, that quartet? Um, being most likely to be in contention next season. Huh. So, I'm still not sold on the Thunder, man. I mean, they've got a lot to do to make up for Harden leaving. For me, it's the Warriors. Believe it or not, I man, the Warriors. I just like their heart. That team grew on me, and you know they played the majority of the season without Bogut, who wasn't healthy. And we saw how impactful he could be in the playoffs. You know, we're going to see Harrison Barnes be a year better. We're going to see Thompson be a year more consistent. And I think if Curry can stay health, healthy, and that's a big if, you know, I I have him on my championship fantasy uh, keeper league team. <laughs> you know, and the big question is, is, is do I try to move him early? Yeah, so mm-hmm, I try to move mm-hmm. him early, trying to figure out, you know, I got through this entire season with his ankles holding in, you know, do do I press press my luck? So I like this team, and, you know, based on where they were, like where they're going to be drafted, they're going to have a chance to pick up another guy that can come in and contribute right away. So, so I think the Warriors is a team that, you know, I think that they they have enough talent to secure a top four bid in the West. Now the question is, is can they be consistent enough throughout the season to secure that bid and then show up every night in the playoffs next season? Mm. And, and I said this on the show last week. What worries me about the Warriors is that for them to, to be a contender, they have to have the Steph, the Steph Curry that we saw um in the playoffs, going against Denver, lighting up San Antonio for a couple of games. They have to have that Steph Curry, that superstar Steph Curry, and I just don't know if we're going to be able to see that regularly, if his ankles are going to let him be that um, as often as he needs to, or if that was just a fleeting moment where we truly get a glimpse of a guy's potential, but we may never see him actually play at that level again because I just don't think his ankles are going to hold up. I think that's why he didn't play well in the last couple of games of that series. So that's the one thing that gives me pause about the Warriors. The team I pick 
would be the Chicago Bulls. Um, and yes, they would have to they would they would have to go through the Heat, but I think you know they gave the Heat as much as they could handle, um, given what the Bulls were at that time. That's without their two best players. That's without the two best guys on their team, a former MVP and seventeen and seven. <laughs> Right, they didn't have the two <laughs> best guys, and they still gave the Heat everything that they wanted. I think that's a team that is in position, you know, depending upon how they handle the whole Boozer situation, maybe they amnesty him, you know, maybe they bring in a shooter like J.J. Redick, which they keep talking about, um, he'll finally be available. You know, with a few minor tweaks here or there, that could be a team that, jumps back into contention again. So I like the Bulls. Um, we each picked one of the four or three of the four teams. One team was left out, and uh, that was the Knicks. <laughs> the Knicks, are the Knicks, PhD, are the Knicks going forward or backwards next year? What do you think? I think they go forward because as concerned as I am about Amare, um, did I say it right? Yeah, Amare. yeah, yeah. Amari. Amare. Uh, Amare. <laughs> All right. I, I mean, this cat, man, he he played five minutes and had a bucket in a closeout in an elimination game. I, you know, I just I just hope and pray um, that his old knee holds up for another couple of years. <laughs> <laughs> because you know, oh, like man. he will say. You know, he he's still in money now. He's still in money. So he's still in the money. <laughs> we gotta make sure he, he gets healthy so we can take him off that still in money list. But but if yeah. he plays well, all of a sudden the Knicks, you know, the Knicks are a good team which I mean, believe it or not, they were the second seed, right? Why in the East, so Yeah. I mean, let's not get carried away with it. If they have the same type of season they had this year, it's a successful season for them. Uh, but but I think the problem with them is their whole thing is built on full scope. So they play a regular season style. It works. They're talented. They have no two-way players. One of the greatest things they said about people, they have a bunch of one-way players. I love that analysis. That's true. These, great, these other teams have great two-way players. The Knicks have no two-way players, really. They have specialists. And I think that's a problem for them. The other thing is they they have the AARP. You know I'm old. I'm I'm get, I'm, I'm scared right, to get that right. magazine. But but me and Jason getting that magazine together. So they <laughs> I think they they got and Jason be getting it for about three or four years already. That's right. And, and Brooklyn gonna get better. Some of these other teams gonna get better. Cleveland gonna get better. I mean I think their they their window is much, they gonna have to do something to get some cats. Jr. is. JR might, but JR's not becoming a two way player by tomorrow. Carmelo's not a two he's trying, but he's not a two way player. Uh all their best players are one way all they're all specialists. That's a problem for them. And and the reason why I put OK City, they got they got the twelfth lottery pick. The one thing that Oklahoma City has done is drafted well. So they got a lottery pick at number twelve. They're gonna fill a hole. They're not that's one thing they've done is draft well. The Knicks have Knicks made great personnel moves other than getting Carmelo? No. That's their problem. 
and they don't give me a two way player on their team. Yeah, that, that's what worries me about the Knicks. That's what worries. I agree. That's what worries me about the Knicks is the age, and there really is no way for them to add any pieces to this team. So you got an old squad that's only going to get older. Your best pieces, you know, your, your second highest paid player is is Amare, and as you said, you know, you got to talk to his good knee, um, see how that's going to work. <laughs> um, you know, Shumpert's coming back, and hopefully he can take a step in. But he's he's at best a uh, uh, upper tier role player. Um, Felton, upper, you know, a decent role player. Chandler is a role guy. You know, there there isn't, and, and you know, Mike Woodson sold his soul to the mellow. You know, he sold his soul to the mellow. You know, he let mellow do what he wanted. And Jr., who is basically your flavor, flavor. Jr. is your flavor, flavor basketball. Some nights he goes good, be good in the concert. Other nights. He might not show up, or he'd be back with the big, big, big mug. I mean, this cat's on Twitter yeah, arguing boy. with Rihanna. <laughs> He's on Twitter arguing with Rihanna. <laughs> How about no? How about no? So we got to get in our resistance digital solutions dogs of the week. So let's go ahead and just jump in. Y'all know how it go, fellas. Let's get it going, as we always do. PAD dogs. I'm rolling with Greg Popovich. I I don't know how you do it, man, but you know That's you right. got your blazer. Uh, you know, yeah, my man does not wear suits. He wears suits separate. Okay, yes. and, he can professor. He can professor. He's a he can professor. That's right. That's right. He goes with the blazer, the the kind of matching shirt, uh, with with the khaki colored slacks, and you know. <laughs> My wife and I, whenever we watch the basketball, we say, doesn't Popovich look like a white Tim Duncan? Um, <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> I mean, sometimes they'll show, like, think about it next time. Sometimes they'll show Duncan and they'll cut the pop or vice versa. Like, these dudes have the same facial expressions. Like, the more we see them, the more they start to look alike each other, almost like an old couple. Um, <clears throat> but uh, but my dog of the week are, is the Spurs organization led by Popovich. All right, we got about 10 seconds. D. Wills, dog of the week. Quick, got to go fast. Lionel Hollins. Lionel Hollins. All right. Coach of cultures. All right, that does it for another edition of the Real Sports Guys, realsportsguys.com, RSC. Renegade Radio brought to you by Resistance Digital Solutions. We out. Peace.
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com slash audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com slash audio. That's carshield.com slash audio.